we study English at school. It is part of the curriculum, but most Brazilians, when they finish high school, they can barely speak English. Yeah, yeah, that, like, I can say that my level was not sufficient after school. Mm -hmm. My level wasn't even enough to pass the entrance exam. So I was totally not prepared, I don't know, for real-life conversations with natives, for example. I, I would simply not understand them. Uh, actually, today we're going to be digging deeper into your personal journey, learning English, how you got to this amazing level you have today. Oh yeah, citizens of the world, this is Thiago from Real Life English, where every single week it is our mission to help you speak confident, natural English, connect to the world, and actually use your English as the doorway to living your greatest life. I'm joining the Global Studio today by the one and only Xenia. Hey Xenia. Hey, hello Thiago. How's it going? Pretty well, thank you. Xenia. One of the things I've heard many times from learners is how the only way for you to speak fluent English is by studying with native teachers or native speakers. But most of your English learning was done practicing with non-natives. Am I right? Yeah, totally true. Um, all my teachers were from my hometown um, and the tutors, private tutors I was working with, all of them, they were from here. Incredible. Xenia, I have some questions to ask you today, and uh, I'm sure that your story uh, can bring inspiration to learners and also tips and strategies that they can apply in their own English learning journey. So the first question is more to build some context here. Uh, you are from Ukraine, right? So how is English typically taught and learned? In Ukraine. First of all, I would want to tell that uh, I'm from a small city in Ukraine. It's um, that's why I think, depending on the city, depending on the school, the um, format of learning will also differ. So I will speaking about my own experience. It may be different from other people, right? But you were asking about in general, right? Back in the day. <laughs> It was mostly like um, formal education from textbooks, lots of texts to read, to translate, uh, lots of grammar rules to learn. Um, <laughs> I can compare it with modern days. I have a daughter who's a second grader. Oops, third grader already. <laughs> and when I look through her English textbook, it definitely differs from what I remember from my childhood. It focuses on developing more communicational skills. I see that there are many exercises on speaking, which I didn't have uh, in my English classes. Interesting. Uh, I asked you this because uh, a follow-up question could be, once you finish, let's say, the basic education in Ukraine, let's say high school, do most Ukrainians speak English? I ask you that because here in my home country, in Brazil, it's quite different in the sense that uh, we study English at school. It is part of the curriculum, but most Brazilians, when they finish high school, they can barely speak English because, mm -hmm. you know, there are so many deficiencies in the educational system. Is that the case in Ukraine? Yeah, yeah. That, like, I can say that my level was not sufficient after school mm. moreover when we 
stopped our choice on English as a major at the university, we realized with my parents, right, that my level wasn't even enough to pass the entrance exam. That's why in my final year at school, mm. we hired a private tutor to raise the level of my English to be able to, you know, pass the exam. So I was totally not prepared, I don't know, for... Uh, real-life conversations with natives, for example, I, w I would simply not understand them with connected speech and everything, right? Then uh, listening, maybe it was a little, bit a little bit better situation with listening. We did have some audio resources. Uh, we were working mm -hmm. at school, but um, they were probably uh, adapted or... Like, you know, they, they were not so difficult. It's not the same way as watching movies in English, right? It's like the, um, mm. the recording was like pretty slow and everything was pretty understandable. Would you say that wanting to get into university was the spark that you needed to, you know, take your English to the next level then? But let me now ask you, <laughs> what did you mean by the word spark here for our listeners and watchers to get the idea? Yeah, yeah. Usually when you start a fire, before the fire uh, exists, there is the spark. Yeah, mm -hmm. The spark is the initial phase of the, of the fire, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But figuratively speaking, in this case, a spark is something that triggers maybe something in your life, yeah? So what made you want to deepen your knowledge of the English language? Was it to enter university? Was that the main motivator? that sparked or created this interest? That was on the surface, yeah? That mm. uh, was the obvious reason. Definitely there was some deeper why. Maybe I wasn't even aware of that back then. Uh, I could honestly say yes. That was the biggest motivation for me. Just like I really wanted to get into the university. Um, the reason why we chose English as a major because That was one of my favorite subjects at school. I was pretty well at English compared to my peers. For example, my level was the highest, although you remember I already told you that the level wasn't enough, but even compared with like other kids, um, I felt comfortable in my English, right? So um, this is something I felt like I could develop more. This is something I... Uh, wanted to like I, I was curious I was interested in that I don't know why I, I still can't figure out what was that thing that got me interested in English maybe music you know talking about my parents who were so far from learning English and learning languages at all but one thing which uh, was I don't know like a kind of an advantage or something uh, my mom is a musician And my dad, really? She really, yeah, she plays piano. Uh, nice. And my dad, she likes music. She's, he's into music. So they both were listening a lot of music at home. So music was always with me in my childhood. And most of the music they listened to, not most, I think all the music at home was English, American music. So I think I was growing up, like I was <laughs> growing up in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, so 
artists like Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson were like, you know, uh. on top at that time. So all their songs, uh, I couldn't understand, of course, but I was like some humming something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe that was something that, you know, I saw my parents were like passionate about that. They were dancing, singing along, also without English, but something like, you know, it's easy to sing the popular song. Uh, even without knowing the lyrics. Maybe that was the spark also, another one. I think it reminds me a little bit of how I grew up as well uh, here in Brazil, because my parents didn't know much English then, but they also were very much into English songs and movies, right? So maybe growing up with that environment, maybe planted a little seed already yeah? for, you know, liking English in the future, learning English, right? Usually when we start something like that, uh, we face some obstacles, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Of course, there were many obstacles for me in learning English. I think the most, the hardest one, which I struggled the most with, was um, literal translation from Ukrainian into English. Because, like, you see, mm. Ukrainian is so different from English. I mean, like, those are totally <laughs> uh, two different worlds. I was always constantly mm. translating from Ukrainian into English to um, build a sentence. And that uh, was really challenging because I couldn't, I couldn't form, like the word order. Yeah, the word order was out of order. <laughs> it was not like it <laughs> is supposed to be in English because I was translating from Ukraine and we have a different word order. But yeah, this literal translation, mm -hmm. not being able to think in English. Yeah, that is definitely a pain point. I have heard so many students telling me, oh, I can't think in English, Thiago. You know, I, I always, I have to think in mm -hmm. my first language, mm -hmm. Portuguese in my case here in Brazil, first, and then I translate and then that takes a long time. That's why I speak slowly, right? How did you fix that? <laughs> definitely it wasn't a magic wand or something. A lot of time, a <laughs> lot of effort. I told you already, right, that after... Sorry, before entering the university, we hired a tutor, private tutor, and um, I was working with her. She would always start her lesson not with something related to English or grammar or something related to language learning at all. She would always start having like a small talk with me, like asking about my day, about my week, um, what I did, like what was the most interesting uh, for me this week uh, and it was like an you know easygoing light conversation uh, in English and I believe mm -hmm. that was such a powerful tool I didn't realize that was a tool <laughs> at that time I was just like I was so naive I honestly believed maybe she was really interested in my day <laughs> like you know <laughs> but now being a teacher myself I understand that it was like a psychological tool to get me relaxed, to get me comfortable. And we had this smooth transition into the length, uh, sorry, into the lesson itself. When you talk about something that is close to you, you would probably feel comfortable and feel at ease. Uh, and those words will come to you. Yeah. And mm -hmm. with building vocabulary, Definitely. they will come more in, like easier and easier. That's true, yeah. So the more contact you have with English in this case, 
the more you will get to that point where uh, you stop translating in your head, even to the point that you start dreaming. I had this phase for a while where I was dreaming in English, by the way, and usually that's a good sign that you are really internalizing the language yourself and you you stop thinking in your native language. Did you have that phase? Did you dream in English for a while too? Probably before exams, <laughs> something like that. Can't remember very well. <laughs> so, Xenia, um, you took those classes to enter university and you passed, right? Mm -hmm. You got it. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about that experience. What was it like learning English at university? You majored in English, right? Yeah, exactly. I majored in the English language and foreign literature. It was really interesting. I cannot say that it was not hard for me. It was at times. But somehow it was so, so much better than school. Like I... School was mm. the worst thing. <laughs> I hated school. <laughs> it's just like I was an A student. I studied there, right? I didn't have fun. I guess I didn't know how to have fun. Like all I did at school was studying. And in the contrast, the university became like this, I don't know, like I really, really enjoyed everything we uh, learned there, like the people, the teachers. The atmosphere, it was so different for me. When I finished school, I started already thinking about myself, learning more about myself, reflecting on my personality. And English here like, played such a huge role in transforming me as a personality to a better version of myself. When it was the first day at the university, I had a clear vision in my head that this day I'm a different person like I will be sociable I will try to make as many friends as possible I will be more confident in myself because coming back to school days I really was shy and um, if there was a conversation or something I would probably be tongue-tied and at the university like I told you uh, I really wanted to start uh, from uh, the you know blank page, mm -hmm. start a new life. And when you learn a language, you know this, I, I don't know the literal, how it's put, but you know probably this proverb that like as many languages you know, as many times you are a new person or something like that, right? English became like um, a tool for me to build this new persona, to, to, to build a new personality. Uh, and it helped. At the university, there were a lot of exercises on speaking, so I really spoke a lot. It also helped to develop not only my English speaking, but also just communicate communicative skills. So I truly believe that my English personality is so much more confident than my Ukrainian personality even today. Uh, I, I was about to ask you that. <laughs> yes, I, I believe so. I believe so because it all started with English, yeah. And I've already talked to Ethan many times during the podcast how I feel like I have a persona in English and one in, in Portuguese. And you are saying the same thing now. Yeah. Let's say that maybe your English persona is more outgoing, yeah. more communicative. Definitely. And the Ukrainian one is a little bit more yeah. shy, right? <laughs> Definitely. And you figure that out in university, right? Mm -hmm. About the speaking lessons, um, how did you practice speaking there? So, you know, I, I think I was lucky because um, at that period, as I... I just like uh, make assumption, I'm not sure, but I'm making assumption that 
there was an inflow of many young teachers at the university. Uh, so the classes which were taught by, let's say, more seasoned, experienced teacher, they were more like traditional classes. But those mm. teachers who were younger, uh, passionate with new methodology, new vision for teaching, uh, oh, we were so lucky to get them because we, we were watching movies sometimes. It's like, it was more like a treat. It wasn't such a regular thing for us, but more like a treat. Uh, we were mimicking a lot. So there were uh, good recordings this time, songs. We were listening to songs. And I remember there were many dialogues. So we were writing dialogues on certain topics and we're playing them out in classrooms with the peer students. And that university environment was mostly composed by non-native speakers of English, right, Xenia? The students and the teachers? Yeah. You practice English together, but all as non-natives, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. The, the resources, the recorded resources, the audios were by natives, were recorded by native speakers of English. But all mm -hmm. the talking <laughs> was done by us, by the students. I do want to go back a little bit and ask you a couple of questions. First of all, you said that you used to get tongue-tied before when you were a little bit more shy. What does that mean when you are tongue-tied? Yeah, I like those visual metaphors in English. This idiom means that you freeze up. You cannot say anything. <laughs> it's like your tongue, you know, gets yeah. frozen. Yeah? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, I can't say anything. Okay. And you mentioned also the word treat. You said that the younger teachers at university, sometimes they will play movies to you guys as a treat. What's that, a treat? Um, something that you would treat yourself with on a Friday cheat day, for example. <laughs> it's like something, something good, something you are looking forward to, something you like, something that brings you joy. In this case, of course, watching a movie was so much more fun than reading a text, let's say. And what was the most important thing you learned in university? Like I told you that um, after school, we were not prepared for proper communication in English. I was able to communicate in English at the university. One of the things I think that was so powerful in this regard was we were, let's say we have a topic today. So usually uh, there is a text with highlighted new vocabulary to learn. And we had to always make it personal. So we would read the text, learn the words, but then what we were doing, uh, we would compile or create a new text on the same topic with the new vocabulary, but which would resonate with us, which would be personal for us. We would learn it by heart and we would go to a class and almost give a speech, right? Like recite it <laughs> in class. And I, I believe that helped a lot. Not like she could just give us a task to learn by heart that text from the textbook. But that wasn't about me at all. It wasn't personal. I, I just read it and like, you know, took some new words from that text. But when you transform it into your own experience, into your own text, and you write it and then learn it. Uh, and then you speak on this topic 
using mm -hmm. this text. That helps you develop your communication skills. I think that's one of the most important things I took from the university and I use a lot with my own students later. How would you rate your English after university? Because before you entered, you were a little bit shy, as you said, and your English level was not good enough to enter, but then you worked on it, you got in, mm -hmm. and you improved even more in university. How would you rate your English level then after university? Um, the education I got at my university was definitely a good one, solid one, because we were trained as English teachers. My language was rather formal, so my conversation, let's say, with a native speaker would sound a little bit like bookish. I imagine they could laugh at me a little bit, or maybe not laugh, <laughs> okay, but chuckle. Uh, yes, we, mm. we, we learned maybe some slang words or something, but we were not trained to use it. So we learned to know them in our passive vocabulary, but we were trained to use formal English more. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah. You did say something nice there. Uh, your communication was bookish. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, bookish is yeah, formal, something from books, textbooks, uh, not colloquial or daily mm -hmm. uh, conversational. And how did you improve your colloquial English after that university experience? How did you uh, learn to be more, let's say, natural? Yeah, yeah. So you see, I have this... Um, uh, period in my life of a formal education at the university, first school, then university, and everything that was after I graduated was self-learning. Uh, and then it was a period of uh, exactly watching movies deliberately in English, learning with them, listening to music and learning lyrics. So it was basically using our <laughs> real life way method, <laughs> living English, uh -huh. right? So it was, and like colloquial conversation English um, came from there. So you, you truly lived your English mm -hmm. for a while. For right? a while, yeah. To, to learn that. At that point, like improving your English on your own after university? When it came to self-learning, that was my weak point. Um, I can't tell about myself that I'm a good time manager. Uh, like, it's really hard for me to organize my day, my week, to schedule the learning. Like, you know, I'm always running out of time. And I think that was the most challenging part, just to find that stable routine, to build a strong habit of, you know, not just having fun with movies, but really sit and learn deliberately and not skipping. And yet you were able to be consistent with your English <laughs> to the point where, you know, you got to the level you are today. So do you have any tips for our uh, followers here about this? Like, you know, if there is another learner listening to this and who struggles with the same thing, like, oh, I'm learning by myself. It's hard to keep the motivation or the consistency. Uh, I get excited for a while, but then, you know, that excitement goes mm -hmm, away. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend to this learner? Well, first, you should be easy on yourself. Don't be so hard. I mean, like, there will be ups and downs. You will skip a day or two, and you should be fine with that. Like, just embrace that, that it is a part of the process. But what helps in most of the times is just, like, Remembering why you, you're doing that, 
when you connect your English learning to something which is really, really close to you, which is really personal and it's, uh, you understand the value behind it. Like you imagine, like, hey, like I, I'm doing it because, and you have this picture in front of you while you're doing that. It, it really helps. Even if you skip a day or two, you have this, you have this strong personal why and it will, you know, it will push you forward always. I, I am curious about something. How did you start working at Real Life English? <laughs> That's another podcast, but okay. <laughs> so let's uh, give us the uh, abridged version. Abridged <laughs> yeah, version. Um, abridged is what? The shortened, the reduced version. Summarized. There was a period in my life I was working, but my work was not connected to English at all. Just like, and it was like a pretty big chunk of my uh, life. I felt kind of bored <laughs> to stay with the kid at home doing nothing. And one of my friends, she had friends, like it always happens, <laughs> who needed mm -hmm. uh, English lessons. And she just suggested uh, me to take those students, like to become their tutor. And first thing I did, I refused. I told her, hey, Lena, I cannot do that. Like, how can I do that? Like, I, I, I forgot all of my English. Like, I haven't been using it for so long. And she told me, oh, you were the best in our group. If not you, then who? <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, and everything they want is just like talking, having conversations in English. That's what they are asking for. Like no grammar, no exercises, just talk to them and you can do it, you know, better than anyone I know. And yeah, I did it. But as I am a very responsible person, uh, I realized that, okay, to teach somebody, I have to brush up on my English myself. Uh, so I took the course from Real Life English, exactly with that aim uh, to brush up on my English first, but second, I needed a conversational Real Life English because the requirement was the student wanted conversational English. Uh, so that's, that's how I found uh, Real Life English. That's what I really needed at that time. Uh, yeah, and that's how I became a student of the course to help me be a teacher for my student. <laughs> Funny situation, but that's how it was. <laughs> that's incredible. So you joined as a student and then, you know, you actually started working. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I've been the student of the Real Life English for a year when they uh, had this um, open position and I applied and yeah, that's how I started working mm -hmm. here. And nowadays you are closely working with the with our students, right? With the Fluency Circle members, aren't you? Yeah, I'm super happy to uh, have so many friends there in the Fluency Circle from the times when I was a student there myself. Those people are still mm. active in the Fluency Circle. I'm still talking to them as my friends. And of course, the group is joined by new and new students every week. Um, and... Part of my role is uh, be a community leader in that group. Um, right now, what they have, what they didn't have before is our rep. And they successfully combined the two 
chatting in the group. This is one format, right? The Fluency Circle is the group on Telegram where they daily, uh, you know, interchange texts and audio messages. Sometimes they are sending videos, organize meetings. But what we have and what we offer to our students now is our app. That's another format. Uh, and for people who are not into our courses, but on the real life app, this is the opportunity to be connected to other speakers, to um, practice your English speaking, right? That's actually a great seg to a shout out here to one of our app users and also members here of our community. Okay, sure. And we have a shout out today from our student, Mark. And Mark says, great app. It gives me the opportunity not only to polish my speaking skills, but also to learn from other cultures around the world. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark, for the wonderful comment and review. And dear listener, if you're not using the Real Life English app yet, go ahead and give it a try because we've been talking all about today uh, practicing, for example, your speaking with non-native speakers and how powerful that is, just like Rexena, it was really powerful. And you can do the same with the app. You can go there and have a short four to eight minute conversation with another likely uh, non-native English speaker. And then you can practice your speaking skills for free, you know, and the app is free to download and try. So I'm going to leave the link to the app here in the description of this video. Also, you can go to Google Play Store, Apple App Store, search for Real Life English and download the app from there. But do give it a try. And Tiago, let me please come back a little bit to the Fluency Circle uh, because it definitely de deserves a little bit of more attention. Um, I remember what helped me there to open up as well when I was a student is participating in all those, you know, challenges, daily challenges they had. And uh, it was really coming out of my comfort zone. Yes, I told you that I became so much more confident personality living, uh, living English, learning English at the university. But still, it was in the comfort zone of my country. I was communicating English only with Ukrainians. Now, when I became a part of the fluency circle, I was surrounded by the people from all around the world who didn't speak Ukrainian and I couldn't switch to Ukrainian or use a Ukrainian word when I, for example, remember some English word. Uh, so it was a little bit different. And it was the first time I came across so many foreigners, um, dear viewers and listeners, um, noticed that there were no native speakers in the fluency circle. All the members are students people who are learning English as a second language, right? And we were living, practicing English together with them. So the daily challenges helped me a lot. They helped me to grow through coming out of my comfort zone. One of my favorites was we had to find a movie, a clip from a movie or a TED talk or some other speech we liked, some video on YouTube and we had to imitate it and then record ourselves and send the recording to the group. When I was searching for such kind of video that would be inspiring, nice, with new vocabulary uh, and interesting to read and make my own recording of it, I came across this wonderful video 
uh, about the overview effect, the pale blue dot. And it's only later when I started working the real life English, I learned that this is one of the important videos in our company because it brings back to that global consciousness. Uh, I think we will be able to play this video, right, to the students so they will see it. But just to give, give a, a short, you know, glimpse of what it is now. This is about the astronauts who, for the first time, instead of looking at the moon, that was the ultimate goal, they were going to the moon, right? They are turning back to see the Earth. And this is the moment that struck them, that this is the overview effect moment, aha moment, that uh, they see this beautiful uh, planet hanging in the vastness of the black universe. Uh, and this is our home. And they see it in its eternity. It's, uh, they see that it's just like a single, single place we all share, all human beings, we all live here on one planet. I felt so connected and I felt that it's so fitting the whole idea of the Fluency Circle. It was just like, it was the right video for that. That's awesome. And yes, we can watch the clip today and uh, also define some vocabulary here because this video is full of great words. So guys, make sure you get pen and paper because you're gonna need it, okay? Trust me. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, Everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, Every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a moat of dust, suspended in a sunbeam. Nice. Xena, he starts by saying the aggregate of our joy and suffering. What does that mean, the aggregate of something? So the aggregate is like the accumulation of something, the total sum of something. So let's imagine there are a couple of elements, and when you gather everything together, it makes the total, it makes the sum, the aggregate. He uses also this word forager along with hunter. He says every hunter and forager a forager is pretty much the same as a hunter. It's a person who uh, kills animals for food, let's say. Yeah. So uh, forager and hunter, they are similar words in terms of meaning here. And then he goes, every king and peasant. What's a peasant, Xenia? Every king and peasant. It's a difficult word to explain. <laughs> I know who he is, but let's imagine our ancestors. They were all living mostly in countryside. They would have a field, animals, um, living not in an industrial world, but rather in a peaceful <laughs> countryside. So this person is peasant. I think 
Mm, the more common word to use now is a villager. Mm -hmm. Is that so? Yeah, that reminds me of the, the time of the kings, you know, back when we had kings, people who lived in the castle, they were part of the royalty, let's say, and the peasants were like the regular common people who didn't live in the mm -hmm. castles. Yeah, so people from kings and peasants, like it doesn't matter the social class or status, we are all included in this. I guess that's what he's saying here. I love that part when he says all these people that he's describing lived here or there, as he's pointing from the space, right? On a mode of dust. On a mode of dust, suspended in a sunbeam. A mode is like a particle. It's a small piece of something. So think of a, a dust, which a piece of dust, which is all a particle of dust, right? A mode of dust is even smaller, yeah, when compared to the galaxy and the whole universe. Mm -hmm. uh, what does sunbeam? Sunbeam is a ray of light. Sun ray. <laughs> so um, what is he talking about in this introduction here, Xenia? So the idea behind these words he's saying, um, and we're trying to explain to you here, is that we all, all human beings, we all come from here, from this one place, from the planet Earth. Awesome. Let's keep watching. The Earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent their misunderstandings. How eager they are to kill one another. How fervent their hatreds. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. He talks about the Earth as a stage, right, Xenia? Uh, the Earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Uh, I, I think of stage as, you know, that place where musicians or performance, performers go on top to perform, you know? Uh, because he talks about the arena, right? So imagine an arena where there is a stage there. So the cosmic or the, the galaxy, the universe, is this arena, but the Earth is a very small stage. And we are here, the humans, you know, here trying to perform, you know, on this little stage. But we are so small, yeah? Uh, he also talks about spilling blood, right? Think of the rivers of blood spilled. This is a great word. Uh, you can use that with blood, as uh, we saw here in the clip, but with any liquid, actually. You know, you can spill milk when you are drinking it, or spill coffee, or spill water. Yeah, that's actually the word you use here. Uh, Xenia, he talks about momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. And then a little bit ahead, he talks about this pixel. Yeah, so 
he refers to the earth as a fraction of a dot in a pixel. What does he mean by that? I'm not sure I would be able to give like a very concise and proper uh, definition of a pixel, but this is what you see, for example, when you have an image of not very good quality. Those are like small squares, uh, pixels. Uh, I'm not so tech savvy, so probably <laughs> someone else would <laughs> explain it better, but that's how I, simple language I use to describe the pixel. So in other words, the earth is really, really small, right? Just like a fraction of a dot. Think of a dot, eh, which is really small. A fraction of that. It's even smaller. Or a pixel on TV, like you described, that little square. Yeah, so this is his way of emphasizing how small our planet is compared to the vastness of the universe, right? Yeah. I love this collocation he uses here. Scarcely distinguishable inhabitants. On the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants. He's saying, think about the cruelties that the inhabitants of this little piece of the earth, of this side of the earth, they engage in, and also on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of the other corner. In other words, uh, something distinguishable is something that you can tell the difference easily. It's clear that they are different, but scarce is like, almost nothing or almost mm -hmm. zero. So what he's saying is that people who live on this corner of the world and people who live on the other corner, they are scarcely distinguishable or they're pretty much the same. Yeah, what he means is like, you know, maybe superficially speaking, we are different, but fundamentally speaking, we are the same, we are humans. Uh, what's a misunderstanding? Uh, mistakes you make while assuming something. So misunderstanding is like a mistake of understanding, <laughs> you can say so. Yeah, you understand it wrongly, right? <laughs> and eager, how eager they are to kill one another. When you are eager to do something, how do you feel, Ksenia? It's the same as you're willing to do something, you have a strong desire to do something, yeah? You wanna do something, so you're eager, you have a strong desire to do something. And then he continues, how fervent their hatreds. Fervent comes from like something like boiling. Yeah? It's so hot and intense. Yeah, uh, it's an intensifier here. And he uses the word hatred or hatreds. This is the noun for hate. Hate is the verb. I hate this. I hate that. Hatred is the noun, the abstract idea. So he's talking about how people in general can sometimes hate so much, right? Uh, that's why he, he says fervent hatred. And then pale. All of this is challenged by this point of pale light. Are challenged by this point of pale light. Um, when the color is not so bright, it is pale, right? Not a bright color, uh, somewhat grayish, we may say. Yeah, I think of a vampire, you know, a vampire that it is, it looks pale, you know, like no color, <laughs> almost transparent. Yeah. And then he goes on. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. A speck is similar to a fraction. Yeah. Or a moat, as we have already discussed. Right. It's a small little piece of something, small particle. Uh, let me read this last line here, Xenia, and tell me what you think 
I mean, what is the main point here, yeah? He goes, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. He highlights here that this is us who decide, who are to decide to stop these petty differences, arguments, uh, because although the universe is so huge, it seems like life only exists here on this planet. We are unique dwellers of this beautiful home, which we should um, value, appreciate, and save it for our future generations. And we are here alone to figure it all out somehow. There is nobody to ask for help. Nobody can solve it for ourselves. This is, this is us, our own choices. Amazing. Let's keep watching. The Earth is the only world known so far to harbor life. There is nowhere else, at least in the near future, to which our species could migrate. Visit? Yes. Settle? Not yet. Like it or not, for the moment, the Earth is where we make our stand. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. So beautiful, yeah? Yeah, it's a beautiful video. There's a nice word here, harbor, harbor life. So the Earth is the only world known so far to harbor life. When you harbor something, you provide shelter or a home to that thing. In this case, the planet Earth is the only planet that we know so far that can harbor or protect or keep life as we, we know it. And then he says, we could visit other planets, all right, but not settle yet. What does it mean when you settle in a place, Ksenia? You permanently move there to live. Like visiting is different from settling. Visiting, it's like you can even use it for uh, your own travels and trips. Yeah, when you visit Italy, let's say, you go there for a week and you come back to your home country. But when you settle in somewhere, let's say you are... Uh, moving to another city in your country and you're settling in in another city. So you um, change uh, your place of living. This is a really nice expression, he says. Like it or not, for the moment, the earth is where we make our stand. What do you understand by this expression here? To stand your ground, declare something, to speak up. That and this idea of uh, you are defending something, like you are defending a cause or something. In this case, I mean, uh, we are all together on this planet. So, you know, if you want to stay alive, we have to make our stand for our lives and everybody's life here on Earth. And then he goes on to say that astronomy can be a humbling experience. What is a humbling experience? beautiful word yeah so um humbling is that make you feel more appreciative of or grateful grateful for something he has he has this connection with humility right 
If you have humility, you are humble. So a humbling experience makes you more humble. Yeah, like, oh, I am so <laughs> small, right? I mean, I'm not as, you know, maybe as big as I think I am, yeah? Exactly. He, he comes back to this message he gives here, like... um they're trying all those like you know uh generals like showing who's the strongest who's the most important and humbling in this case would be like behaving in another way maybe more protecting uniting people seeing yourself equal with the people not above other nations even right he goes on then to say there is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceit than this distant image of the earth from space. So the folly of something is like the, the stupidity of something, you know? Folly is like, oh, stupidity, foolishness, yeah? What's conceit? Uh, these beliefs um, of being overly proud of something, um, putting yourself above someone else, like being arrogant, so I like this phrase, eh? the folly of human conceit, the, stu the foolishness of, you know, being too proud, yeah? Or putting yourself above other people, like you explained, right? And then this last line here, to me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot. Underscore is like underline, you know, when you underline a text, you can also underscore a text, it's the same meaning here. But figuratively speaking, it underscores the, our responsibility, it emphasizes our responsibility of treating other people more kindly, right? And also cherishing our planet. Oh, I, I love watching this video so much from time to time because it fills my heart with, with warmth, with love, with this kindness, and it's such a nice thing that he really uses the word kind at the very end, because, you know, even when uh, watching some or reading some information, what most people remember is the beginning and the end <laughs> most <laughs> of the times. So it's such a nice and wise way to end the message with the word kind, because I think this is the most important emotion he wanted to plant uh, in all the people who watch the video. So I hope you guys enjoyed this explanation today and this video. The message is super powerful. And I also hope you enjoyed all this advanced vocabulary we explained to you guys today. So Xenia, we do have here the question of the day. And the question of the day comes from this viewer who says, how can we relieve from stress, anxiety, and how to feel confident? Learning a language is too hard. We understand properly, but can't speak it. That's the main cause of stress. What would you recommend to this viewer? Mm, well, it's a difficult uh, issue. First, it would need a couple of um, questions to ask. Uh, so I didn't quite understand what's the cause of the stress. Is it just like speaking and why? Is it like the lack of vocabulary or... Um, fear of making mistakes, right? So there may be so many reasons for that. It's just like, I remember myself, yes, I was not able to speak and probably I was stressed out 
for me personally, it was lack of vocabulary, I think, and my personality that I was shy. So it was the same issue in my native language, not only English. So it's it, it, it requires really reflection and knowing yourself and so it, it's so individual. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.